Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here and if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
in-house with us today and we want to welcome them and those that are online so I'm gonna go through the announcements real quick uh, starting off I don't want everybody to forget about Lottie Moon um, I know we're at home it's a little harder to, to get the gifts in but our church goal for Lottie Moon this year is $15,000 okay so if there's ever been a time missionaries needed our money it is this year so there are many ways to give you can give online you can bring it by you can mail it we'll come get it from you whatever you need us to do Okay, so don't forget about that, Lottie Moon, all the way through the end of the year, and uh, $15,000. A couple of announcements for the youth. Number one, the ski trip is still scheduled for February the 12th, $300. Sign-ups are closed, but if you have not paid, Brother Brian would like to get that payment in. Number two, the youth had a Christmas fellowship scheduled. There's going to be a Christmas dinner that has been postponed until after Christmas due to COVID-19. So... Brian will get back with everyone regarding that and set up a new date and time. Um, next Sunday, December 20th, we are going to have a special performance. It's going to be the Tiny Nativity. Uh, the kids are here practicing. It's going to be at 10 a.m. prompt. So if you are comfortable coming next Sunday, come on in and, and watch the kids, and we'll space out as, as best we can. If not, it will start at 10 a.m. prompt online. After that, we, we will discuss about being open more as far as opening Sunday schools and, and the worship service. We'll let you know more throughout the week. Today, we will have a deacons meeting after worship service. We will be discussing the budget so that this coming Wednesday, the 16th, we can present it to the church as far as needing amendments and adjustments and things like that. So if you have any questions or concerns about the budget, come this Wednesday at 630 for our business meeting. That's all the announcements I have. Anybody else have any? All right. Well, I'm going to open us up with a word of prayer, and then we'll continue with our worship service. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day and all the many blessings of life. We thank you for the, the beautiful weather we've had this December. Today, we especially want to pray for uh, all those affected by this virus. Brother Brian, Brother Chris, their families, they're on the mend, but we ask that you, you heal them quickly, get them back with us so we can worship with them and fellowship with them. And we have other church members who have, have come down with it. Please let them have mild symptoms and, and come back quickly. Um, today I want to especially thank you for the, the members of the church that have stepped up since Brian and Chris have been out. Um, Brother David Brinkley for preaching last Sunday. Brother Raymond for this past Wednesday. Tony and the praise band. And uh, Brother Larry Murphy today. And John Cole always in the back making sure everything runs smooth. It's a, it's a beautiful thing that this church can still still come together and worship you um, even when it's tough and difficult uh, we pray for all those affected by covid we have a couple special prayer requests uh, mr r.a chris um, 
he's in the hospital after a car wreck. We asked um, your hand of healing on him and his family and Mr. Ken Davis as he's still trying to recover. Uh, we ask that you forgive us when we fail you, and thank you for everything you've given us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before the world revolved around us, 
single way you're divine you're holy lord we realize that we need you in our lives we need to share your gospel we need to tell people about you and your son and just how much you've done for us and just all that you do for us we thank you for our church we thank you that we can still worship you in some capacity even if it's not what we would like to do lord but you know our hearts are there for you lord we just lift up these ladies as they sing for you lord just give them the voice, give them the spirit, Lord. Just let it flow through them, Lord, and bless us, Lord. God, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' most precious and heavenly name. Amen. Savior's birth. Oh. 
technology it is amazing the things that you hear and see just before you go to the pulpit so I got a text just a moment ago and I won't call any names but one of you who just sang <clears throat> your grandmother said to tell you hello so I'll just leave it at that uh, and you can you can deal with that later well good morning first Alamo there you go Glad to be here with you. I, I hate that uh, Brother Chris is sick and also Brian, but uh, I'm glad to be with you and, and uh, to worship with you today and to uh, hopefully hear from God's Word and allow it to touch all of our lives and make a difference in the lives that we live. I want you to think with me this morning <clears throat> on a message entitled, The Gift, and uh, I'm pretty sure that all of us have thought about gifts. If you haven't thought started yet, it might be time, especially those of you who are husbands, it might be time to start thinking about something. And uh, don't do anything like the guy on the commercial on TV and give your wife a, a nice picture frame with a picture of his mother in it. That's not a great thing to do. One of my favorite Christmas mu uh, movies, I have two that are, I consider my favorites. One of the very favorites is The Bishop's Wife the 1947 movie. And in that movie, David Nevins, Loretta Young, and Cary Grant uh, play the parts of uh, all those. Those are the major characters. And David Nevins is the bishop. And all the struggles that he goes through in trying to lead uh, a congregation, or several in his case, as the bishop. And I see a lot, of, a lot of things that take place in our churches in this movie. And that may be one of the reasons why it's a favorite of mine. At the end of the movie, <clears throat> David Nivens is to give a Christmas Eve sermon at one of the churches that he had been a priest at before he became the bishop. He had prepared a sermon and thought that's what he would be giving. But when he stood to read and give that message, he realized that Cary Grant, who was the angel in the movie, had rewritten the sermon and done something different. And I want you to hear, as we think about the gift, this short sermon real quickly to get us thinking. 
Tonight I want to tell you the story of an empty stocking. Once upon a midnight clear, there was a child's cry. A blazing star hung over a stable. Wise men came with birthday gifts. We haven't forgotten that night down the centuries. We celebrate it with stars on Christmas trees, with the sound of bells and with gifts. But especially with gifts. You give me a book, I give you a tie. Aunt Martha has always wanted an orange squeezer, and Uncle Henry could do with a new pipe. For we forget nobody, adult or child. All the stockings are filled, all that is except for one, and we've even forgotten to hang it up. The stocking for the child born in a manger. It's his birthday we're celebrating. Don't let us ever forget that. I want us to think about this morning the gift. And I, I thought about and reflected back on growing up. And Christmas is a, is a very special time of year for me. And I always have a lot of fun. And, and I've never been one of those that uh, scolded or made a big deal out of all the things that we do at Christmas. From Santa right on through everything else. Because we can keep it all in perspective if we will really work at it. I heard a, a friend on a preaching this morning and talking about how that one Christmas, his Christmas was not very good when we think about all these things that we do. Because he walked into the living room where his mother was with a box and says, Mom, you might need to let Santa, he doesn't need to bring me this train. I found this on the top shelf of Daddy's closet the other day. So we probably need to think about those type things. But I thought about Christmas and I thought about as a child growing up in the great metropolis of Medina. In the, in the bustling downtown area of Medina, there was a Western Auto store. And Western Auto would... At those, in those days did the best they could to really decorate and make a big deal out of Christmas. And you could go into Western Auto and, and play with the fire trucks and the police cars and the things that were there. And, of course, their hopes were you'd play with those and that would entice you to beg enough that your parents would buy them. Well, I knew I wasn't going to get any of those. I just had a chance to play with them. And there... Also, if you'll remember another Christmas movie that's not a favorite of many, but there in the Western Alto was also in display the Red Rider Carbine BB gun. And so you could see all of those toys. You could see all of those things. You could see those things that, that a young child would hope for as being a gift. And, you know, I remember some of those Christmases and remember that... Uh, one of my favorite Christmases, when things were really tough, and things were tough financially for me as a child growing up, and I never missed a thing. I, you can look at me and tell me that I haven't needed anything. But that Christmas, men from the American Legion in, the, in Medina <clears throat> made sure that they gave out boxes of food and things. And, and some men came to our houses with two or three boxes of food and and some things that we will need. And one of the men that came was a man by the name of Ralph Barnwell. And he was a member of the church that we attended. And Mr. Ralph made sure that I got something in one of those boxes. And in those, one of those boxes was a double-hostered, silver-plated, pearl-handled set of cap guns. <clears throat> there wasn't a bad guy in Medina that would mess with me. And not only did he give those guns, he gave my mother $5 and said, keep that boy in caps. Do you know how much $5 would buy in caps? Uh, there, there was nothing that messed with me. And I think about those things, and we think about Christmas, we think about those gifts, and, and for some people, Christmas is a joy, and as they think about what they're going to give and how they're going to give it, and and to see the, the, the joy on the person's face that, that they give it to. Others, it's an agony. It's, it's pain. 
it's just whatever to have to think about this. But, but we think about gifts at Christmas. And I want you to think this morning about the greatest gift ever given. I, I think about my grandfather, my mother's dad, who, uh, you know, there were 10 children. And so, and each one of those children had four or five or six grandkids. So, my granddaddy and grandmother's giving, trying to make sure that the grandchildren got something, was pretty limited. And I can remember that <clears throat> for Christmas, we would get a 50 cents piece, a candy cane, and an orange. But what a gift, because it was given out of love. It was given because they loved us, and they wanted us to have something. But I think as we think about gifts, of the greatest gift ever given. And John 3.16, who some would say, oh, well, that's a pretty simple verse. That's a pretty simple passage, and all of us know that. I want you to understand something, that one of the most strongest theological verses in the Bible is John 3.16. It is not just some little simple verse that we memorize. It may be one of the most famous verses of the scripture that people learn and read, but it is not just a little simple verse. It does not go along with just what we would consider a simple song that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Folks, is a theological Verse that should encompass our entire life. For God, not just somebody, not just my grandfather, not just a Ralph Barnwell, not just uh, my wife or a child or someone else, but God. The great I am the creator of the universe. Folks, that's pretty strong. Not just someone that we nominate and we elect by a popular vote, but God. And when he said he was the I am, he told Moses to tell Pharaoh, I am. S.M. Lockridge said, and I'm sure I've said this here before, but S.M. Lockridge said, when Moses said, who should I tell Simeon? God said, tell him I am. And S.M. Lockridge said, he was am, he is am, he going to be am, he just am. God is am, folks. So we're not just talking about receiving a gift from some just nobody. For God so loved the world. In doing mission trips and going to Kenya and places, we share the gospel. And I always try to start with the creation in sharing the gospel. To try to help them to understand where and how God saw it all playing out. And even before the foundations of earth, he had us on our mind. And he tells us in Psalm that we were formed and knitted together in our mother's womb. And he cared for us. And he knows all about us. And so from the time of creation, when God put it all together... And gave us a world, and he didn't have to give us anything, folks. He's not obligated to give us a thing. <clears throat> but he created the world, and he made a place of perfection where had man just obeyed and just followed his instructions, things would have been different. But you know, God knew that it would never take place that way anyway. God always had a plan, and he has a plan today. But he gave us this world, and, and I explained to those Kenyans and to others that, that because of our sin, we fail from God's original plan for our life. And as a result of that sin, and as a result of everything that took place, God had to give his second plan. And in that second plan... God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. His only son. 
the greatest gift that could be given. And I don't, I don't fully understand that. I, I, don't, I don't understand how God would love me so much that he would give his only son. Because there are days I look in the mirror and I'm not sure I like me. But God loves us so much that he gave his only son. And, and I don't fully understand that. My wife and I have one child. We have a daughter. She has been the apple of our eye since the day at 10-something on a particular night. I know her birthday, but 10 o'clock that night, she was born. And she's been the apple of our eye since. Now, she and my son-in-law, who we love very dearly, became even more important seven years ago when, first of all, they gave us the greatest, the first greatest grandson ever born. And then soon will be two years in January, gave us the second greatest grandchild ever born. And you don't need to fact check or investigate that. Just take my word, the two greatest grandsons. But I can promise you today, I don't love any of you enough to give my daughter. Not at all. And I don't love any of you enough to even supply a, sub, a substitute with those grandsons or even that son-in-law. But God said, I love you so much, I'm going to give you my only son. And not only am I going to give him to you, not only am I going to place him in this world and that he would humble himself and become a servant, that he would empty himself, that he would leave the wealth of heaven to live on this earth. Not only am I going to give you my son to be lied about and slandered and ridiculed and even born under a shadow of doubt. Not only am I going to give you my son to go through all that he had to go through and, and, and to live with 12 of the dumbest Bible students who ever lived. And they, they didn't get it even before he left. Not only am I going to give you my son to do all of those things, but one day, one day because of your sin and my sin, I'm going to nail him to a cross. And then I'm going to back away while he suffers and dies under the weight of our sin. And I'm going to watch him in agony <clears throat> as he still from the cross is forgiving someone who's hanging next to him, that thief. And he's still hanging on that cross in that agony for our sin and giving instructions <coughs> to take care of his mother. And he's still looking out for what he can do for you and for me. The greatest gift ever given. Not that crucifixion, but just Jesus alone. He was there for God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. Trying to restore us so that we would not be stuck forever in the sin of what we had done with his world. Romans 5.8 says he proves his love for us. That while we were sinners, Christ died. 1 John 4.10 said this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He loved us before he even knew us. Before we were even born. He loves us and he cares for us. And he wants us to, to know him in a great and mighty way. And, and you say, well, Brother Larry, we, we know all that. Well, let me ask you a question, believer. Do we really know that? Do we really, truly know John 3.16? Well, sure, we've, we've been learning John 3.16 since we were in, 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 in preschool. And, and in the we know John 3.16. Do we really? Let me tell you something, folks. <clears throat> It was a great 
a great miracle when we think about creation and God put it all into place. And S.M. Lockard said he flung the stars in the sky and he scooped out the valleys and he propped up the mountains and he made the ocean and he made all the animals and he gave us dominion over those things. That's a great miracle, isn't it? And throughout the scripture, there are miracle after miracle after miracle. And, and we roll into the New Testament and Jesus is born in a miraculous way. And then he grows and while he's in his ministry, he's performing one miracle after another. One which is my favorite, the story of the paralytic. It was so fabulous and so awesome that it says when the when the paralytic walked out, the people said, we've never seen anything like this before. What a miracle. And to see him turn water into wine and on and on, all the things that he did. And what a great miracle, what a great feat for him to surrender himself and to say, I don't, you don't take my life, I give it. And I allow them to nail me to a cross. And even there, as I've already said, he was forgiving sinners and doing the things that he did. And then to be taken from that cross and put in a borrowed tomb. And what a miracle, three days later, to come from that tomb. Aren't those great miracles? Aren't those great things? They are. And a great miracle was performed in my life at age nine at Medina First Baptist Church. And hopefully in many of your lives, a great miracle was performed in that you came to a place where you realized without Jesus, you were nothing. And at some point in your life, you prayed and asked him to forgive you of your sin and to come into your life and to, to take residency in your heart and to do as the little cartoon, a little picture that I saw of of, of a person, I don't know if it was a child or a man, the, the relation of standing before God made us look small. But, but the person was holding his heart and saying to God, this is all I have to give. And God said, that's all I've ever wanted. What a miracle to forgive us of our sins and, and to, to give us eternal life and, and to know that we don't have to die to receive eternal life. I started living eternally at age nine. And you did too when you trusted Christ as your Savior. All of those are great, wonderful miracles. And we know all those things. And so I come back to say, do you truly understand the, the greatness of John 3.16? That God so loves us that if he could do all of those things, he can take care of us now also. Man, this year has been full of stuff, hasn't it? And I've probably complained and griped as much as any of you have. So when I ask this question, do we truly understand this verse? I have to ask myself that question. Do I really understand how big God is and that he loves us so much and he cares for us so much that he sent his son that he can give us eternal life and if he could do that and take care of all of those other things, he could take care of any and everything we are going through right now. Is that not a gift? Is that not something, folks, that you want to, with excitement and with anxiousness, unwrap it and hold it, cling to it? God so loved us that he gave his son that if we believe in him, if we trust in him, the scripture in the Amplified Bible says that we should not perish, but the Amplified says that we should not, we would not, we could not perish if we believe in him. And that same God wants to take care of us today. I understand now, or, or better understand it, I don't know that I fully understand all I under, that I should about eternal life, but the, the thing that I have to deal with now, and I think that's the reason many of us may not fully understand John 3.16, is that he also said he came to give us abundant life. And that's life worth living. That's life overflowing. That's life that regardless of anything that's taking place in our lives, 
That's life that regardless of whatever this world throws us, God is meeting our needs and he's caring for us. And he's watching over us. And he wants us to to know him and to worship him and to serve him and to love him. And that's what eternal life is about. That eternal life is a relationship with him and it's knowing him and serving him. Why? Because he deserves the reward of his sacrifice. Jesus deserves the reward of you and me as believers worshiping him. I'm not talking about what we did here. This is a part of it. But I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about truly knowing and having a relationship with him and serving him daily. And in everything that we do, we look for an opportunity and a way to serve him by sharing Jesus. I stole this phrase, and I think I may have shared this before with you, but I share it all the time. I stole this phrase from, David, from Dave Ramsey. I said it to some of you this morning. Well, Larry, how are you doing? Better than I deserve. Folks, do you really understand that because of John 3, 16, you and I have it better than we deserve because what we deserve is death and penalty and judgment. But because of him, we have abundant life and eternal life. We have life that makes a difference if we will allow it. We have it made. I can't imagine I cannot imagine life without Jesus the greatest gift ever given I do not know How people who have never trusted him make it in this world. And I do not understand how you and I and believers around this world try to make it without him. And I want to tell you that I believe, as Adrian Rogers said years ago, I would rather live the life that I now have and come to the end of that life and find out that none of this is true, which I assure you it is, than to live this life and get to the end and find out that it's not true. Well, Larry, how do you know it's true? Well, this book tells me it's true for one thing. I know what's in my heart is another thing. I know the faithful witness and testimony of thousands of people that I've known in my life who staked their lives on Jesus Christ and nothing else. I know it's true and I know it's real and I know it's the greatest gift that we could ever be given. I saw a picture the other day of a wreath And on one side of that wreath, it says, the season. On the other side of this circle of a wreath is a crown of thorns. And it says, the reason. And I understand that. And I understand that we say constantly, Jesus is the reason for the season. Because we're trying to make sure that his birth... The birthday that we celebrate, as we read in that sermon in the beginning, is the ultimate reason that we have Christmas. It's not all the other things, although, as I've already said, I don't have a problem with those. And we know that that birth created a Savior who, yes, did go to the other side. And the other side was that he would be born and that one day, ultimately, he would die on a cross. But I want to tell you this morning, folks, as you read John 3.16, and as you really think about it, 
that the ultimate reason for this season and for Easter is for you and for me. We are the reason for this season. We are the reason for Easter. Everything that God has done, everything that He is doing through His Son Jesus is for you and for me. And all He asks of us is that we seek His forgiveness and we seek His eternal gift of eternal life and we believe in Him and we trust in Him and we give Him our lives daily. Someone might say, well, yeah, you, you're, you're one of those that God said it, you believe it, and that settles it. No, I'm worse than that. God said it, that settles it whether I believe it or not. And God said that he sent his only son to die for us and to care for us and to live for us and to live through us and to be with us forever and forever. So I want you to understand John 3, 16. I want you to totally, fully understand it, that that gift just keeps on giving. But you need to also think about Christmas and the sense of giving a gift and understand that there are many who still need to receive that gift. And they're waiting for someone to tell them how. And there are lots of ways we can do that even during COVID. If you won't talk to me later, I'll tell you. We can still allow people to know Jesus and to see them come to knowing Christ. One last thing. Maybe to give you a better understanding. Maybe to help you really grasp. <clears throat> In the city of Chicago, one cold, dark night, a blizzard was setting in. A little boy was selling newspapers on the corner. The people were in and out of the cold. The little boy was so cold that he wasn't trying to sell many papers. He walked up to a policeman and said, Mister, you wouldn't happen to know where a poor boy could find a warm place to sleep tonight, would you? You see, I sleep in a box up and around the corner there and down the alley, and it's awful cold in there for tonight. Sure would be nice to have a warm place to stay. The policeman looked down to the little boy and said, You go down the street to that big white house. You knock on the door. When they come to the door, you just say, John 3.16, and they'll let you in. So he did that. He walked up the steps. He knocked on the door, and a lady answered. He looked up and said, John 3.16. The lady said, Come on in, son. She took him in the house, she sat him down in a rocking chair in front of a great big fireplace, and then she went off to another room. And the, the boy sat there for a while, and he thought for himself, John 3, 16, I don't truly understand this, but it sure makes a cold boy warm. Later, she came back and said, are you hungry? And he said, well, I haven't eaten in a couple of days. I guess I could stand some food. So she took him to a kitchen with a table spread with all kinds of things. And he ate and he ate and he ate till he couldn't eat anymore. And he thought to himself, John 3, 16, boy, I sure don't understand it, but it sure makes a hungry boy full. She took him upstairs to a bathroom, to a huge bathtub filled with warm water with lots of bubbles. And he sat there and he soaked for a while. And as he soaked, he thought to himself, John 3.16, I sure don't understand it, but it sure makes a dirty boy clean. Then she took him into a bedroom and she put him in a feather bed and she tucked him in and pulled the covers up to his neck and she kissed him goodnight and turned out the lights. And as he lay there in the darkness, looked out the window and saw the snow coming down and knew how cold it was outside and he thought to himself, John 3.16, I don't understand it, but it sure makes a tired boy rested. The next morning, the lady came back and took him down again to that same table that was full of breakfast foods. And after he ate, she took him down again to that same old rocking chair in front of the fireplace. And she picked up a big old Bible and she sat down in front of him and looked into his young face. 
And she said, son, do you understand John 3.16? He replied, no, ma'am, I don't. The first time I ever heard it was last night when the policeman told me to use it. She opened the Bible to John 3.16 and she began to explain to him about Jesus. And right there in front of that big old fireplace, he gave his heart and his life to Jesus. And he sat there and thought, John 3.16, I still don't understand it, but it sure makes a lost boy feel safe. And then later he wrote, you know, I have to confess that I still don't understand it. How God was willing to send his son to die for me and how Jesus would agree to do such a thing. I don't understand the agony of the father and every angel in heaven as they watch Jesus suffer and die. I don't understand the intense love for me that kept Jesus on the cross till the end. I don't understand it, but it sure does make life worth living. I want to ask you this morning, if you've ever taken this verse and trusted Jesus as your Savior, you've asked him to forgive you of your sin and you've allowed him to come in, if you haven't, today would be a good day to trust him. And for those of us who are believers, two things, that verse is still worth sharing and allowing people to know God, but it is also important enough for us to realize that not only could he save us, he can care for us every day of our life. Is that not a gift worth receiving? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the many things that you do for us. Mostly, I thank you for Jesus. And I thank you for his love and his care for us and all that is ours because of him. Not just eternal life, but abundant life. I pray, God, that today... Many would trust you as their Savior across our land and across our world. And that we as believers would be reminded of the greatest gift we've ever received. And it's not just our salvation, but it's life worth living because of Jesus and because of your gift to us. God, I pray that tonight, as we all close our eyes in sleep, we would be more in love with Jesus than we were when we awoke this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.